Um, let's pray. Father God, thank you so much this morning for your presence here. And we thank you for the words of testimony. We thank you for the communion exhortation and the offering, Lord, that you gave um, supremely to us to build your family, that you were desiring a people, and it cost you dearly. And we thank you, Lord, and we acknowledge that sacrifice. We acknowledge what it took uh, to bring us to this privileged position as sons and daughters of Christ, of God the Most High. And we look to you, Lord, and as we're walking this walk in this path of life, Lord, to draw closer to you in this coming year and to reflect more rightly the character of Christ. We ask for your Holy Spirit's power to manifest that in each one of our lives. And I just thank you, Lord, that we would come to know you um, in a more intimate way in this coming year. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, I said last week, I said, unless this story was true, it would be hard to believe. You know, that God, the creator of all things, and the Bible says that Jesus is actually the creator. That God chose to create through Christ. We know that the Father was there as well as the Holy Spirit was there on creation day. Um, and they existed together, the three of them, before there was times. Eons and eons ago before it was actually even recorded. Um, it says in, in John, the Gospel of John uh, 1 Verse 3, it says, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So anybody who says that Jesus was a created being is uh, in error. Uh, Jesus preexisted. We know that John the Baptist was born before Christ, but when John the Baptist saw Jesus, he said, he existed before me. You know, so that's another confirmation. It says in uh, the Gospel of John, uh, verse 10 of the first chapter, it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Can you imagine that? that you know, the other thing that blows my mind is Jesus, uh, conceived by the Holy Spirit, went through the nine months of gestation, and was birthed through a woman. Birthed through the, you know, the, the normal way. And I think to myself, what was my earliest memory? You know, of growing up. And can you imagine, can you remember something of your early, early life as a, as a baby? And I can remember one of the houses that my parents rented and going into the backyard and they had a lot of fruit trees in the backyard and, you know, playing in that backyard and just vague memories of, of what that house looked like. But I think, what about Jesus? How was it for Jesus that if he experienced humanity, on the level that we did in the flesh so that he could rectify our sin problem in the flesh what was his memories you know what was his experience as a child i, I just kind of think about that we know that he had to be special as far as children go because you remember what happened after he was birthed it says that he, Jesus was born under the law. So after eight days he was circumcised and they brought him into the temple. And there was a person there that was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he saw that child and the Holy Spirit says, this is the anointed Christ right here. And he goes, man, I, I was waiting for this. I was waiting for the revelation of this. So he saw this Christ child and was, uh, he says, I wouldn't die until I saw the salvation of Israel. 
And this, this child comes in. And so there's something special about this child. And then we go on from there. Um, and we see not much written about Christ, uh, you know, as an early age that, you know, that we know that uh, Joseph had to take Jesus uh, down to Egypt because they were trying to kill the child. It was probably around two years old at that age because Herod says, I want all the kids that were from two years old and below to be killed. So up to two years old. So we know that he went down to Egypt and he was brought up over there until Herod actually died and then he was brought, called back into his own country. So there's just a few details about the life of Christ. The next thing that I wanted to mention was the time that because Jesus was born under the law and the law required that the family come to Jerusalem and pay um, you know, the, uh, respect to the, to the feast days. And Jesus was in Jerusalem from Nazareth and it was for the Passover. And so there was probably a throng of the family or a big crowd of the family of this, you know, of this uh, tribe that walked down to Jerusalem from Nazareth, which was quite a walk. And they went and celebrated the Passover. And in, in, in those days in Jerusalem, it would be swelled up with people. There'd be a ton of people just, you know, camping out or hanging out there and, you know, maybe um, living in people or coming into inns or whatever. And so there's a mass of people in the city at that time. And we hear that Jesus was there. And all of a sudden, the mass of people, okay, the, the celebration is over, Passover is over. And they all just, as a, as a town, they walk, let's back, walk back up to Nazareth. And all of a sudden, they're, they're into this journey a couple days, and they look, or I think, I think it was like three days. What, what happened to Jesus? Where's Jesus at? And uh, they go, oh, we left. It was like home alone. We left Jesus in Jerusalem. I said, so to turn around and go back and uh, go search for him. And what did they see? They found him sitting in the temple, listening to the, the scribes and the teachers, and also answering questions. And they're all sitting there looking at him like, whoa, this, this, this kid's 12 years old and he's schooling us on stuff. What's going on here? And even another testimony that they had, how does this guy know the law having never studied words? Because he was the word. You know, you think about these things. Is when did he learn this stuff? He was, he was the son of a carpenter, or, you know, as it was supposed, he's the son of God, the only begotten son of God. But it looked like Joseph was his father. And he says, isn't this Jesus, Joseph's son, the son of the carpenter? And yet he's speaking these things, and they're blowing their mind like, whoa, where did he get this stuff? So how did this progress along the way? We know that it wasn't all fun and games for Jesus. It was a hard life, I believe. Number one, coming from the place of Nazareth, which is kind of like a nondescript place. You know, it's, it's like, oh, Nazareth, you know, what, what good comes out of Nazareth? What good thing could come? No prophets ever came out of Nazareth. How could he be the Messiah? Not only that, he was born under a cloud of suspicion. You know, the Pharisees and the scribes says, we know who our father is. Our father is Abram. As far as you go, we're not really sure. They were thinking that, you know, his, my, his mom, you know, uh, had uh, relations before she was actually uh, married to Joseph. We know that Joseph had that dream and says he, he was a just man and he didn't want to make her a public example. He covered her with his grace. He said, hey, I, I don't want to put her out like, oh, oh she, she says she's conceived by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine the jump that is for a, 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 a husband to be? Where this was, they were betrothed and they're not supposed to have a relation. All of a sudden she says, I'm pregnant from the Holy Spirit. And thank God that that angel came and confirmed that. 
but he was already a just man he says he didn't want to make a public example because you know what the the penalty was for having sex outside of marriage was stoning she could have been stoned to death that's what that was a, so you think wow wouldn't that be great to be the the mother of the messiah think of it you start off that way your 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 life is in jeopardy because you possibly could get stoned to death because this is done under this cloud of suspicion and she comes in and they get married and and then so it's a small town and you know how rumors are flying around there and they're kind of looking at eh, I don't know and then you're you're saying that you're the Messiah or this 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 you know these prophecies are coming up about this child he's the Messiah he's the the chosen one he's the one that's gonna save Israel he's the one who's gonna be you know the Lamb of God that takes away. and and it starts off this way can you imagine how that was? There's, there's a psalm, I think it's 69, uh, in, in the psalms that talks about that his brothers would taunt him. We see that in the word that, you know, he was going to go up to one of the feasts and he says, well, I'm not going up yet. And it says, his brothers tell him, well, you trying to be the Messiah, why don't you go up and make it public, public knowledge that you're the Messiah? So you can see that there was this tension from his family members, you know, that you know, you're acting as if you're the Messiah. They didn't believe they did not believe until he resurrected from the dead amen it says it is in james you know we're talking about the fact that you know this this walk of of faith it's it's complete in christ it's completed and yet we have a mission to follow through with things to follow through with the with the task you know that we're steadfast by the grace of god that he's placed within us um and we know the motivation of God. We know his motivation was he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son that we should have eternal life because of him. It says in James, it's chapter 1, it says this. It says, blessed is the man who endures temptation when he has been approved. He will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. You know, we can all say that we love the Lord, but when does that get proved? When it's, it's easy to love the Lord when everything is going good, right? But when things go sideways, can you still say, I love the Lord and honor Him? How do we love the Lord? We honor Him with, with just basic respect and honor, you know? And there's times as being a Christian, I don't deserve this as a Christian. I'm trying to do right. And these opposition come against us and we can cop an attitude. But Jesus is there for us to look at him and say, look what he endured for us, for me. Look what he endured. Though he was a son, he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He left us an example. And he doesn't just say, well, I did it, so you do it. No, it says that he comes alongside us to help us in those times of trials if we still our hearts and we go before him and we humble ourselves before him i actually did that this morning i was just like lord you know forgive me for some of my attitudes you know we had a party up at our place uh, a new year's um not new year's but a christmas eve party up at our place and you know jeff came up and we put up the tent the, the tent for the church a 20 by 20 uh tent and you know up there Avalau, it's it, the the weather is sketchy man it could you know it's always rainy it's 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 just praise god we pray for rain and then when it rains god don't let it rain and we got a party now you know it's like make up your mind man <laughs> you know <laughs> so we set up the tent and the ground's already kind of saturated up up at you know our place 
And we're going, oh, the weather looks, I looked on my phone, the weather looks good, man, it's, it's, it's clearing up. Set it all up, my wife, you know, she, she decorated, put up tables and tablecloths, everything was just ready to rock. And right before the bubble, 4 o'clock, the party's at 5.30, 4 o'clock, this cloud just kind of moves in and it starts, to, it starts to rain. And if we had a good tarp on the top of the tent, that wouldn't have been that much of an issue. But when I put the tarp on, I go, wow, this thing is really worn out. I think I better buy a new one. And so I went up to Ace Hardware, they're totally out. And so here it is, Christmas Eve, the stores are closed. I mean, I tried to get one, but they didn't have that size. So I got, I got some duct tape and I taped over the holes. I got duct tape, you can fix anything, man. So it's, we're good. <laughs> and uh, until the rain came. And then it's, the, the tent was so worn, it was just finding any little pinhole and it was dripping down on the tablecloths. And it was stress, man, because we got people coming here in about, you know, 45 minute hour, you know, they're starting to come. And um, we're there and I'm, I'm ready to get into the flesh. And Heather says, Dad, it's going to be all right. We got to adapt and overcome because she just... <laughs> <laughs> she just went through some military training and so I was like yeah that's right we got to adapt and overcome <laughs> so you know we had we had the garage over there and it's a mess and I got tools I got spider webs and everything and it's like we got minutes you know a short time before this party but it's don't get into the flesh just do what you got to do you know, so we started going at it, man. And it's muddy. You're moving things. Your feet are all muddy. And it's just making mud tracks. But we get everything into, the, into there. And, and actually, it turned out really nice. It was, it was a great venue for that. We moved it into the garage. It's like more, kind of a longer corridor that we put it in there. But I was just puzzling. And it's like, man, Lord, why did we go through that kind of stress? Why didn't it just have a nice evening and everything was good and we we set it up the way we did and we'd have to deal with this and and i'm just gonna be honest i kind of copped an attitude about it. it's like well man i don't deserve that kind of thing and stuff happening shut up man <laughs> just shut up and i had to confess it before and then i started thinking man all what you did for me and and just because it rained you're gonna come up with this kind of attitude give me a break man you know, so I really had some repenting to do, man. Just pray to the Lord. I'm sorry, man. I want to be more reflective of who you are to me. What this means to me. What you did. I understand what you did to a, a fraction. I don't think we'll ever know. It says we'll never know how much it costs to see our sin upon that cross. I, that's such a true statement. We don't know how much, what glory He descended from to come down to become this for us, to give us this precious gift. And, and we can't go through a little bit of trial and not grumble. See, but it's a process. Like Tyler said, we have it already, but it says that we're being sanctified. We're, being, we're, we're, we're manifesting more and more of this reality and this truth by the things that we suffer in this earth. And as we do that, we give Him glory because people can look at us and say, well, I don't know if I could have went through that with that kind of attitude. That's what we want to be. That's what we're attaining to in Christ. I want to go through hardship and keep my eyes on the Lord and even thank Him through the process. I was trying to do that. I was like, thank you, Lord. But the heart wasn't really in it. You know what I'm saying? He was kind of trying to mouth it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the part. And I, and I was trying, but it was like, there was still some repentance that needed to come. Some, some real honesty to it, God. And I think he likes that. I really do. You know, he sees through us. 
And he knows that if we're trying to suppress that, I goes, I see it. I see it. You might not know it's there, but I know it's there. Just to be honest and just let it go. Here, Lord, I'm sorry that I, was a, I had a baby attitude. Forgive me. Help me to be stronger next time. Amen? It says that blessed is the man who endures. This is in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. When he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. How do we prove that we love the Lord? We're obedient to him. We worship him, even if it's hard. We stick with him. And say, you went to the wall for me, Lord. Help me to be that towards you. Because that's proving our love to him, right? It says, let those who say when they, they are tempted, I'm tempted by God, for God cannot, cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, he gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, uh, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above that comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning or of his own will brought us forth by his word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So this is God's intention that I send my son as a gift that we receive that in our born-again experience, when we say, Lord, I believe that you, you were God in the flesh. I believe that you went to the cross and died for me. I believe that you resurrected after the third day. I believe that what you say here is true. And there's a conception that takes place. That's being born again. It says, as many as received him, gave he the right to become the children of God. As many as been conceived in the Holy Spirit by this amazing act that God sent His only begotten Son, the one who created the worlds. He created everything. You know, I was looking on the internet and they were showing this comparison of planets. You might have seen that. How they showed, first of all, this is the earth and the moon. This is the earth and the moon in relationship to the sun. This is the earth and the moon and the sun in relationship to the nearest star. And these things just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, the, the earth looked like a little marble. Then we're talking about, I mean, huge. These things bigger than this room. You know, suns that are out there. Stuff that's way out there that we can hardly even conceive that God made all that. He says that he placed all the stars in the sky and he knows them by name. And he said there's so many stars in the heavens that it is more innumerable than the sand of the sea. You go take a handful of sand at the sea and you're like, that's a lot just in a handful. But you can imagine all the, all the beaches of all the world and there's a star that represents that piece of sand. That's mind-blowing. And that's Jesus who created that. That's Jesus who created that. And that's Jesus who died for us to call us family. That's pretty amazing. You know, when you really start thinking about it and breaking it down, um, what this costs, you know. You know, gifts need to be received. You can have a gift, and you ever had something where you give somebody a gift, and, oh, no, no, I can't accept that. I can't accept that. You know, a gift needs to be accepted. It needs to be, I see the value of that. You know, I've done that before. I won't do it again because everybody knows it. But I have a gift up here. Who wants this gift? And, you know, 
Hawaiian style, I don't like be shame. I don't like go up there. You know, I'm not going to grab it. But we have people here understand a gift. They'll run up here and grab that thing right away. Because a gift is to be received, amen? You grab it, you, somebody offer you a gift, take it, take it. You know, and see, somebody gives you money sometimes and you're like, oh, no, that's cool, I don't, I don't need, you know what, you should just accept it. Accept it, because they're going to be blessed by giving that gift, right? Yeah. And so that's what, it, our, our understanding of gifts uh, through the word of God is, somebody did that, somebody wanted to bless you with something, receive it. And just say thank you for that. Receive it. I, you know, a lot of people, and I think I fell into this category at one time. You have a heart. You have. You could be more easily giving something than receiving something. It's harder to receive. I think there's a level of pride with that. But when we get to the, there was times where we received stuff that we really needed it, and you're kind of like, ah, oh, no, 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 I don't need. No, no, take it. And then the, somebody said, no, if you don't accept this, you're canceling my blessing by giving this to you and when you put it into that term you go wow that's true and and think of the insult that is that christ comes as the gift of gifts and people say oh i don't need that or i don't like that it's like what an insult to god in reality that i offered up my most precious gift to you and you said no i think i'm good without that that's an offense to god amen we should be receiving of that gift. Let me read this in Romans uh, chapter 5. And it's speaking about this gift. It's speaking about the, the context of this thing. In biblical terms so that we can understand how we're saved. You know, And in Romans 5 it says, Therefore... Um, you know, it's kind of jumped into the middle of this, of a reception of faith and salvation by faith through Abraham and how it, come, how it came down through the line. And it's presented, Jesus has presented himself to us and, you know, how he became our sin that we become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. That gift that's indescribable. And he's trying to put it in terms that we might understand here. So it says in chapter 5 of Romans, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace by which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So you remember when the angels broke into our reality at the announcement to the shepherds of the birth of the Messiah? The thing that they said was peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Peace on earth. What? I didn't know we were at war. But there was enmity. There was a rebellion of mankind within our heart against God. God wasn't rebellious towards us. It was mankind rebelled against God. And the angels broke in and says, peace to men of goodwill. If you have a heart towards God, I come to bring you peace right now. You know, the world right now is very desirous of peace, in a sense. In fact, it says in Thessalonians, when the world, when the people of the world say, peace and safety, peace and safety, we're always trying to make covenants, we're trying to make peace agreements, we're trying to make these, uh, you know, treaties and this and that, and come up with solutions to the problem. The problem with the world right now is the heart of man is very tumultuous. It's like a, a windswept ocean that's just churning up 
you know, muck and mire. And it says, without Christ settling our water of our heart, there is no peace. Until Jesus comes into your, your life, into your heart, there is no peace. He's the Prince of Peace. And so that declaration that the shepherds heard, peace and goodwill towards men. It was like, wow, that I, have, I can have potential peace with God? That I don't have to be raging against God? That I can have a right attitude towards God because of this gift? It says in verse 5, it says, Now hope... Uh, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't say, clean up your act and then I'll do something for you. He says, I'll clean up, I'll send salvation to you in your current condition. That it's received in that manner. Amen? It says, but God demonstrated his own love towards us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 9, how much more having now been justified by his blood, shall we be saved from wrath through him? For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. How much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Reconciliation is almost like a bookkeeping term that you reconcile your bank account, that you are in debt. We're indebted to the max. And, and we were, you know, I mean, I, I'm ready to declare bankruptcy here. And God says, you know what? I'll pay it all. And he paid off our debt. You're reconciled now. It's been paid. The debt's been canceled. Verse 12, it says, Therefore, just as through one man's, uh, one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. He's talking, he's going all the way back. He's going all the way back to the first sin that took place. In the garden. Man was given dominion over the creation. And he gave a help meet. A woman took it out from his side, his rib. And she said, well, the serpent told me this fruit is really good to eat. And she ate it and her eyes were open. And you get varying stories on this. You, I hear that, that if Adam didn't eat that fruit, then we could have continued in the garden. And it would have been good. And then I hear other stories that people access this and they say, Adam's heart was for his wife. And he says, my wife has stumbled. She's in this condition and I'm going to go with her. I'm going to cover her. And, and people say that was almost like an act of Christ that he was going to go at her level because he loved her. And God said, this is good that this man, I don't know which one is true, to be honest with you. I, I just, you know, I would have to really pray about that one to say for sure. But that's the, the story. That's where sin entered into the creation. And the current world that we see, as good as there is good things, we have things on the other end of the spectrum that are pretty evil. And that's where it interjected into this, this uh, reality that we live right now. It says in verse 13, For until the law was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there was no law. That's a pretty heavy statement right there. You know, there was a murder that took place, but there was no prohibition against murder at that time, at that point. As, as people conceived and sin abounded, there had to be more um, prohibitions 
against those things. More prohibition. The law entered in to reign everything in until the Messiah should come. And then it says, verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, to where the law was given, even though those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who is to come. Who is the type who is to come? Christ. Jesus. He's called the second Adam. But the free gift is not like the offense for by one man's offense many died and much more the grace of God that the gift by the grace of one man Jesus Christ abounds to many and the gift is not like that which came from the one who sinned for the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation but the free gift which came from the many offenses resulted in justification so he's saying that there was a lot of sin but there was one gift that was given that resulted in justification. And justification, when you see that word, and especially if you see it in Romans 8, it says that we're justified by faith. We're justified. And the word means just as if we've never sinned when we're in Christ. We know our sins. We know the things we screwed up with. But we have to have faith that Christ covered that by his blood and we can live as just as if we've never sinned. That's the reality. That's what God says. And if God says, I justify you, who's going to say you're not justified if you receive it by faith? That's what the gospel is right there. The best gift you ever... You think back to the Christmases or birthdays or whatever, special occasions. What's the best gift you ever received? Anybody? Anybody ever got a car? A car? Okay. A bodyboard? A dog, a bike, the best gift, that was the best gift, a motorcycle, something, you know. In reality, if you've received Jesus Christ, the best gift you ever got in your life was eternal life. The best gift we ever got was eternal life. In verse 17 it says, For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one of much more those who received the abundance of grace, and the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounds, grace abounded much more. And so that the sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign to the righteousness of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this is speaking about that indescribable gift of Christ that was given to us that must be accepted in faith. And if we have a relationship with Christ by faith, we've been conceived by heavenly seed. We've been born again. We're part of his kingdom. We're moving towards reality to the uh, eternal uh, life and reality of his kingdom. And though we don't see those things manifested in their fullness yet, someday we will. And it's just like the wise men who had a heads up 
from Daniel, I'm assuming, that says there is a king that's going to be born, and this is what you're looking for. And there's a star, there's a sign in the sky that I want you guys to follow, and there's generations that took place, and these magi, these wise men, saw that star in Bethlehem, and they said, or they saw it in the, east, in the west, they go, wow, we're in the east, and we see it out there, what is this? And so they, they're, they're, they're checking their books and probably checking the, the writings of Daniel and says, there's a prophecy that says there's a king to be born. And they got on their caravan and they came over and they, they brought those presents before this child. And they said they worship that child. When you know the Bible, it says nobody or anybody who's uh, being offered uh, worship. You look in the book of Revelation. John, totally overwhelmed by this vision of glory and the triumph of Christ. And the person who was showing him this vision, he's so overwhelmed with it, he falls down to his knees and he's trying to worship. And he goes, stand up, we only worship God. Only worship God. And these magi come before a baby and present their gifts and worship a little child. God in a baby's form. God in, a, in a, such a fragile form. It's just, it's the, the story is this. When did the consciousness of him being Messiah come into this child? Do you ever think of that? How did that come about? You know, there, there's extra biblical writings that said, Oh, Jesus, you know, he would make little uh, pigeons out of clay and then breathe on them and they would come to life and fly away. But that's extra biblical. That's just, you know, theory. You don't see any of that in the Bible. But what was his life like? What was his life like as a little child? What did he endure that, that he went through in order to come to that realization, to come to that place where he was fully cognizant, he understood, I came for this very purpose. This is the purpose I came. I came to die on this cross to purchase salvation. And it says, you know, though uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, though he despised the shame. The joy that he saw was his family, these, these born-again believers that were conceived by the Holy Spirit, by this uh, uh, divine born-again experience that I saw my family down the line. I see them all in heaven. He says that I will endure this shame. I will endure the beatings. I will endure the, the, the cloud of suspicion over my head. I will endure the reproaches because he saw down the line and he saw us gathered his family for eternity. That should strengthen us to say, okay, Lord, we can do this because you did it for us. Could that be our, pr our prayer in this coming year, that we could be more committed to the Lord, more reflective of this gift, this sacrifice? Could we be more um, reflective of this for other people to say, man, even if you mistreated me, I can still love you because look what Jesus did for me. Could that be our prayer this year, in this coming year? Lord, help us to be more Christ-like in our behavior. Amen? Help us, Lord, by your grace. You know, his grace is sufficient for us. His strength is perfected in our weakness. In closing, I just want to, you know, when I first heard this scripture, going to a Bible study, and I've said this many times here, um, that this is one to commit to memory or to think about it, meditate on it. Uh, it's in... 
Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. But for context, let me read. This is Ephesians 2. It's talking about grace through faith. And it says this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, You, he made alive, who were both dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, in the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, amongst whom we also were once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. We were part of the world. We were part of the mess and this, this throng that's, that's heading on to destruction at one time until God got our attention. Verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. It says here that in the ages to come, this plan and what God has done for us will be unfolded in the ages to come. It says that even in the other portions of the scripture, it says angels desired to look into this act of salvation, knowing where Christ came from, knowing his position in glory, and, he's, and they're saying, what? You're going to do this? And it says in the, the angels were doing, this is amazing what you're going to do. And for us, we're going to be, this, this thing's going to be peeled back and peeled back and peeled back and layers that we're just going to fall. I, how, why? Why did you do this? How did you do this for us? That's what it's saying right there. And it says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, the, not a gift. It is the gift of God. The gift of God. Not of works that anyone should boast, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, uh, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So we're saved by grace. It's a gift to be accepted. But as we're walking in faith, God has laid out a plan for our lives. And he says, these are the things I want you to do. These are the good works that I want you to manifest. These are the things that would be reflective of a son and a daughter of God. We're saved already. We don't have to have worry to say, well, I don't know if I'm saved. Did I do enough good stuff to be saved? No, you're saved already. But by the things that we do, it proves our faith that we love the Lord. It shows others, it shows God that we're in love with Him because He loved us first. Was that helpful this morning? I mean, the Word of God, when, when I first came across, I go, this is an important scripture. Because I think men, we are, are people were challenged by, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. And then maybe I'm saved. But this says, for by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and not of, your, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. He gave us this. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. That abrogates our pride. Like, look at me, I'm saved, I did a good job in my salvation. Cancel that. It was all about Jesus. Amen? Let's pray.